Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. You can find us online at www.dawnofmantis.com. And also, we're on Twitter, so you can look us up there. Joe, what's going on tonight? Last week on Dawn of Mantis podcast, the boys chewed the fat over George Adamski, the first and most well-known of the golden era contactees. Hey, 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 hey. What, what's going on? What are you doing? Uh, you know how some podcasts, like, they do a recap of, like, the last week's episode by some really over-the-top announcer guy? I want to I wanted to do something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah, check it out, check it out. They also did some of their classic off-the-rails rants, including an especially hilarious tirade by Ivan that left everyone in stitches. Yeah, man, that's, that's, uh, that's like, not us. I don't really, I don't think we should do stuff like that. I mean, just, we can talk, we can just talk about what we, what we talked about, right? Hmm. Ivan doesn't like the idea of a recap, proving he's a close-minded douche. Man, that's just, it doesn't seem like us. I just think it's a bad idea. It's just kind of zany. Ivan doesn't like the idea of a recap, proving he's a close-minded douche. Okay, listen, it's a, it's, it's, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like some kind of infomercial thing. Come on, man. Ivan needs to get with the program and grow a little and let Joey give some of his ideas a chance. We'll be back with the Golden Era Contactees Part 3, Howard Minger. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. We're right about that. So welcome to Caffeine Corner, our newest yeah. addition to the Dawn of Mantis podcast. There's a, I know there's got to be like a podcast called Coffee Cast. And oh, you talk sh- about coffee the whole yeah, time. That's there's got to be like multiple, which I mean, if that's I'd rather drink it than talk about it. But actually, uh, I'm, I'm proving myself wrong because we've been talking about it for five minutes now. <laughs> so tonight we have. The Golden Era, Contactees Part 3, yes. and Howard Minger. Howard Minger. I like the name. He sa- he's a very he's a man of his times, it sounds like. He is, Howard. He's very... Uh, uh, that's Even a very, the last name. It's kind of crazy. Menger, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very 50s. Howard Menger, you know that he worked and lived in the 50s. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. you ready to get started yeah, on this, I'm fella? I'm ready. Well, in our last two episodes, we covered the fascinating and complex story of Georgia Damsky, like we just talked about earlier. Um, if you haven't listened to those yet, I recommend you do before listening to this one. Because although Adamski was arguably the most well-known of the bunch, there was a whole group of people throughout the 50s who claimed to have alien visitations and flying saucer sightings on a regular basis. So, like we said, this colorful group became known as the Contactees and later the Golden Era Contactees. And this denotes the time in which alien contact was reported as a pleasant experience, far different from later reports that began with the story of Betty and Barney Hill, which basically ended the Golden Era Contactees. Yeah, um, so they were like they were like the Nirvana of hair bands, you know, <laughs> Betty and Barney Hill. They they basically and we can thank we can thank Nirvana for that, right? I mean that yeah. that needed to 
That kind of needed to go. Well, right? because one year I was like, got a picture of your house. You're standing by the door. Oh, yeah. And then fast forward to. And they were just like, oh, shit, we're all out of a job. Yeah. And I bet you probably know the, these people that that don't they don't really like Nirvana. But it's kind of like it's kind of like how I feel about Elvis. I don't like Elvis, but I can respect what he did for the music for music, you know. So I mean that there are people that don't really like Nirvana, but they're like, okay, at least it got you know past that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Which you know, thank goodness. Uh, but you know what? I, I like some hairband stuff just for it's kind of novelty ish, you know. Uh, no, yeah, there's a plenty of the hairband stuff. And that I you like got to give it to them. I mean, some of that stuff's pretty uh, catchy and just like the you know real like lyric focused and like you know I don't know melodic and uh just a lot of like ring outs on the distortion and let it go for a while and a lot of a lot of bass runs and stuff like that i mean it has its it's ha- it has its you know charm for sure right but it's not like hey man i listened to that poison album front to back it's <laughs> it's amazing skinny pop pop <laughs> yeah Lord be yeah exactly yeah. they're not that was an album music <laughs> so yeah anyway and by god never mind I can still listen sure. oh, from yeah. track one yeah. all the way to I can too, Oh, for my sure. God. Yep, yep. So Howard Manger was born in Brooklyn in 1922, but spent most of his boyhood in and around Somerville, New Jersey. Now, that's two hours to the west. Okay. He, he served in the 713th Armored Tank Battalion in World War II and won several medals, including the Purple Heart. In the mid-1950s, Howard was settled into civilian life, married and living on his farm in Highbridge. But it was this most average point in his life where Howard began to make some extraordinary claims. He suddenly, suddenly, he suddenly, con- <laughs> off to a great start. Hello. <laughs> he suddenly confessed that beginning as early as the age of 10, he had been in contact with beings from other planets. His version of these otherworldly beings mirrored those of George Adamski, blonde haired, blue eyed, beautiful humanoids from Venus, here to guide humanity down a better path. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, Howard Menger gets a lot of accusations or got from other people saying that he basically just read some of George Adamski's material and just kind of picked up the ball and ran. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, it's too early for me to yeah, really yeah, interject. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Though. Well, not surprisingly, word of Howard's outlandish claims spread quickly. And in 1956, he was invited to be on the John, I'm sorry, the Long John Nebel radio show. So uh, this is where I said folks from New Jersey and that area might recognize this New York and that and that area, um, because this was a, a, a fantastic late night program on WOR radio hosted by John Nebel from the mid 50s until his death in 1978. Nebel was more or less an open minded skeptic who gave free reign to his revolving door of weird, strange, eccentric guests. Hmm. He would also take calls from listeners and give them equal freedom. He was basically the precursor to Art Bell mixed with a dash of Howard Stern and a hint of Jerry Springer. That's funny. I was about to say Howard Stern. Yeah, man. I was about to say he sound, kind of sounded Howard Stern. Just like 30 years before. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, in other words, the perfect platform for Howard Manger to share his story which is what he did starting in 1956 and many times after he was like a reoccurring guest. He claimed that in August of that year, 1956, he had uh, been invited aboard a Venusian spacecraft and given the first of several interplanetary joyrides. He said he witnessed civilizations uh, of several 
on several planets in our solar system, including on our own moon. Before long, Howard was also sharing these tales on local television talk shows and hosting uh, conventions at his farm. So Howard claimed that he had received instructions on how to build a free energy device from the Space Brothers, but his attempts to market the device failed. He also started producing photographs of these space people and their crafts, he claimed, although they were almost universally seen as grainy and unremarkable. And I did look up a few, and it's... You can't tell what any... It's... it's I don't know. You can look up if you want. I'll put them on our, our, uh, our website, but... Uh, um, it's There's just nothing there. Yeah. Now, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things that's like, any any one of these conspiracy theories, I'm, I I like to Google things like, what is the smoking gun, you know? Yeah. And I'm sorry to say, but a lot of times someone's smoking gun to me is like a, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I can't, I, I got nothing good, but, you know, like a, <laughs> some kind of, you know, just a loose, uh, not a lot of facts. It's a lot of interjection, a lot of like, well, you don't know. I mean, you got this, but if there was a better photo, you'd be convinced. You know, it's like, well, there's not. I mean, it's so I, I don't know. Uh, the smoking gun of this thing, uh, this guy's probably is not, is, you know, something less than conclusive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, like we said before in the last episode, if you're just tuning in on this, on this one, uh, we're, more about like, you know, the character of these guys and just kind of the, you know, cause we're kind of history guys. So we're kind of just, you know, talking more about the time than we are. Um, we're not really subscribing to this stuff as much, but it's still worth. <laughs> what? I know who that is. You know who that is? Yeah. Who, I mean, who do you think? Are it you is? drawing it to be someone specific? Not really. Oh, never mind. Then I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Anyway. Yeah. Psych <laughs> Um, so Howard and his wife, Marla, even recorded an album. Ooh, can we look this up? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the album is titled Authentic Music from Another Planet. Oh, okay. So, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna, gonna to go another way here. So, yeah. Yeah, no. Howard Menger, Authentic Music from Another Planet. What was it we looked at last time? What was that? Uh, last time was... Uh, was, Which was uh, very awesome. Uh, uh Oh, what was his name? It was the Irishman, uh, uh, and he invented the mixing board. Remember we talked yeah, about him? Yeah, Leslie. Yeah, Desmond yeah. Leslie. Yeah, yeah. We it was like um, uh, sounds of space or something like that from Desmond Leslie. So, so this is a what video. is it with these guys, these contactees, and also like recording music and stuff? Here we go. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, the authentic music from another planet, written and played by Howard Menger. They have pianos on other planets. <laughs> I wonder if this was off of a 45 or like a 78 off a record because that what's that scratching? Or is that part of the the song? I got to say this kind of makes more sense than Desmond Leslie's album because his was just kind of like random sounds. This isn't this is an actual piano. No, it it sounds more like a piece. Yeah. For sure. It's not as strange. No, as before. No, because like I said on the la- on the last episode, uh, Leslie's just kind of sounded like a, a haunted Halloween tape that you play, you know, like for a haunted house or something. Yeah. 
All right, so not bad. Not bad, Howard Menger. Yeah. Props. Authentic music from another planet. Yeah. So it That's said that. That's on YouTube. 16 minutes long, that thing. Let me see if it changes some. I'm, I'm jumping yeah. to 10. Let me jump to 10. Sure. That sounds identical. It yeah. says actual phonograph. Uh, so that's one. That's we'll have to see why. If our, let's see if our friend James Dunham, uh, by chance, has that. Dad, this is probably one he doesn't have. Yeah. <laughs> what if he says, oh, yeah, I'll have that one. I uh, would, yeah. that. Would I, be, I wouldn't be so surprised. No. Uh, I mean, how not. many vinyl do you think he has, if you had to guess? He told me, oh, man, the other day I asked him that, and I think he said six or 7,000. No, oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. I don't have six or 7,000 of anything. No. Um, a lot of those, like... He has basically four or five of each album. Oh, uh, okay. Like, he has one that he just listens to that he doesn't care if it's degraded or whatever. And then, you know, he'll have one that's maybe unopened. And then, like, for as far as Beatles stuff, he might have, like, the Japanese pressing, the German. You know, he might have, like, six of the same album, but it was just from different pressings out of different countries. Yeah. Pretty yeah. awesome stuff, man. Yeah, It's, that's it's awesome. an incredible collection. Oh, I bet, yeah. Well, I I went over there one time, and it's been years ago. But I yeah I've I've seen some of that so that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, how many country albums you have? He's like, uh, pretty much zero. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah, I bet he has some. I bet he has some crossroads type stuff like some he, yeah know, stuff that is kind of country. Yeah. But, yeah, the Eagles are considered sort of borderline. You know, some of their yeah, I guess I could. Yeah, I mean, there's I definitely a few songs. Yeah, um, I could peaceful, see that. easy feeling. There's yeah. a few songs like yeah, that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um. So, yeah, I mentioned that. So it said that, you know, Howard and his wife produced this album, made this album. Now, his wife's name was Marla. Um, I don't really know how involved she was in this in this whole contactee thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that uh, about around late 1956 to early 1957, a, a pretty young lady named Connie Weber appeared at one of the gatherings on the Menger farm. Uh, Howard was struck by the attractive girl and almost immediately proclaimed that he had known her in a previous life on Venus. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. He's... Hey, I recognize you. <laughs> Venus, was it? Yeah. It's like, no, actually, you ain't. No, sorry. Oh, see, that's. It's too easy. It's too easy, it's but it's hanging, hilarious. It's low, it's low hanging Uranus or low hanging fruit. <laughs> well, okay, so Howard. Soon left his first wife. He f- he left Marla for Connie, and the pair took off together on the UFO contactee lecture circuit and soon released his first book, From Outer Space to You, in 1959. <laughs> cool. So how ironic. You know, we also read uh, that uh, George Adamski, now his was after his wife passed away, but, you know, he, he he had a pretty young lady on each arm that were his Venusian bodyguards. Mm, yeah. So, again, here we are. We're only on our second of many contactees, and uh, we're seeing a lot of similarities. Apparently, you know, hot young little dishes back then were, uh, you know, I just think that's how convenient yeah. that you're at your lecture and just some <laughs> just some smoking hot lady walks in, and you're like, oh, you know what? I, I think I knew you in yeah. a different life on Venus. Yeah. And yeah. then for some, maybe that was a good pickup line back then because some lady that wasn't so attractive is like, no, she's like, do you remember me? It's like, no, I don't remember no, you. I didn't know you, you weren't on, there. I didn't know you on Venus. I think you've always been on earth. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's very convenient. Very convenient yeah, for very him. Yeah, very convenient. Uh, but it worked. Connie was like, oh, maybe oh, I was. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, another supposed visitor at the Menger farm was a tall, blonde, charismatic man who began to show up in the crowd at these conventions. He had an impressive knowledge of the cosmos and could supposedly speak any, I said supposedly, speak any language suggested to him. The man almost seemed out of this world. Mm. And of course, eventually he admitted that he was. The man went on to say that not only was he one of many people on Earth from Venus, but he was also commander of all earthly living Venusians. His name was Valiant Thor. Ooh, he's got a cool name. Yeah, so back then... You were a Valiant Thor. They were saying that... It was kind of like Men in Black, the movies, the Men in Black. Mm-hmm. They were aliens just living you know, amongst us. No, just, I like that. Uh, yeah. They look just like us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then there was just like programs. Well, we don't have to explain as much, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, how ironic that uh, a Venusian, the Venusian commander of all people living from, from Venus on Earth had the name of, uh, of a, someone from Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Thor, the Norse god. Not Greek of, mythology, Jesus Christ. No, uh, Norse mythology. I'm sorry. Thank Norse, you. Norse. What? He's not the. He's the son of the god, son of Odin, and the, right. Was, I'm, you know, I'm getting some of that from Avengers, but the, you know, <laughs> the god of thunder, Ragnarok. Or yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah, that's. They did a pretty good job uh, representing that, representing that stuff on the on those movies. I think. Yeah, I would say so. So yeah, yeah. So what's his, say that name again? Valiant Thor, a man. It's 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 hard. It'd be hard to pick a fight with somebody with that name, right? I mean, you just know you're going to get the the floor mopped with you. Maybe. <laughs> what would be ironic is if he looked like Steve Urkel or something. Uh, Valiant Thor. What's your name? Valiant Thor. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't sound like a Valiant Thor. You you sound more like a Timmy Sneedleman. <laughs> Timmy Sneedleman. Timmy Sneedleman at your service. <laughs> no, it's Valiant Thor. I'm really good with all things having to do with computer processing. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Stereotype Podcast. <laughs> you know what, ca- man? Phone in and let us know what you'd like to stereotype, and we will stereotype the hell of it. Spaceballs. Yeah. One of the best movies ever. Mel Brooks. Remember Prince Valium? Oh, yeah. That, that she was going to marry? <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of it. I have a long time. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> He's like yawning the whole time. She's from Druidia, a Druish princess. Yeah, uh, that is such a great movie. Yeah, that is for sure. Oh, oh John Candy, man, I, uh, he, that's just another one of his roles I forget about sometimes. Yeah, part man, part dog. I'm a mog. Yeah. I'm my own best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That, we, you know, we talk about a lot of people, but we—I don't think we've really talked about John Candy on this. No, podcast. I don't think uh, we have. One of my childhood favorite stars. I mean, still to this day, but but. When you know, I watched a ton of movies. He his one. I, I mean, I still remember uh, Delirious, and that's one of his his uh, lesser known ones where he's it is on on that vacation with his family and stuff. Yeah, so that was pro- that might have been one of the first movies I've ever seen with him. Really? Um, yeah. And, Mine uh, might have been like Uncle Buck. or Yeah, no, like no, it's still fantastic. Yeah. That's a, that's when he had his like chops and oh yeah know, yeah. So and then like I said, Spaceballs. That was my chair. Yeah. Uh, have you like ever that. heard if he was like nice? Because I just kind of think he was, but I don't. I can't remember ever hearing anyone talk about. I've him. yeah. I've always heard that he was a really sweet guy. Okay. See, it's that's what it seems like. Yeah. You know, he was only like forty three. Yeah. When he died of a heart attack. Yeah. That's it, man. That's yeah. really sad. I, he was he was uh, wagons east. 
That was oh, the last yeah. film that he was. He I yeah. think he was on set when he died yeah. of a heart attack. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, the the another one that I liked that didn't get a lot of good press was that uh, Harry Crumb, where he's the private detective. I don't know that I ever saw that. Oh man, it's really good. Huh? It's really I'll good. Have to watch that. Yeah. Um. He he would uh he would uh, he would say that he had a black belt in karate and the boots to match. That was kind of his tagline. <laughs> okay. I'm a black belt in karate and I got the boots to match. Right. And then like uh so there was a scene where he had to fight a guy and he was like doing all this karate stuff and he kicked. And he like missed the guy, but then the boot came off and hit hit another bad guy or in the head or that bad <laughs> guy awesome. in the head or something, and it knocked him out. And he's like, "I'm a black belt." And he said it again. Yeah. And the boots to match. And the boots to match, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like perfect. G- great writing, you know. Other than Spaceballs, because it's just I just that that's a movie. Lexi, I let my daughter watch that movie literally from just two years old. Like, is from from the moment she could even conceive of watching a movie. I let her watch that, and yes, it's got cussing and stuff in it, but the rule at my house is if it's hilarious enough, just like with Robin Hood Men in Tights, we're going to overlook that. So yeah. like my daughter was three years old, like going like, name's Yoda, you hate me? Like that, <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> yeah, you know, yogurt, like she would quote yeah. the movie, and yeah. she, she could quote the whole movie to this day. That's awesome. But another really fantastic John Candy movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's a really great one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hurt me? Yeah. Go ahead. I like, uh, what's it? I like me. My favorite line is that's that you know I'm telling you that's scarring almost that little line where he's like when I was a kid I'd like cry a little bit when really? I see that because I was like I don't know I mean I I think something like that teaches you empathy like you know he was the butt of all the jokes and he was he he's what made the th- the movie funny right but then he delivers that powerful you know you want to hurt me yeah uh it's like I just remember when I was a kid. <laughs> No, People are mean Candy. to me. People are mean to me too. I know how you feel, John Candy. You know, it's like I don't know. Uh, but uh, I watched that clip not too long ago, and it's um, I, I'm not a I'm not you know a professional film critic or anything, obviously. Um, but but I do watch a lot of MST3K. That's right. That's right. So that makes me intelligent. But uh, <laughs> but I would just say, I mean, that was just a cinematic history, is what as far as I'm concerned. What does it say about me that the line I remember from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was when they're trying to was it they're like looking up trying to find a ride or something, and and John Candy goes, "We'd have a better chance playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than finding a ride at this hour." <laughs> also, good writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, not John Candy, but let's jump a little bit. Uh, uh, um, the um, Three Amigos. Steve oh, oh. Yeah, from Steve Martin to that. Yes. That was another one of my favorite movies. Oh, my God. Martin kid. Short. Yeah. Uh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Steve Martin. Yeah. Yes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Great, great, great. Right. I wonder if uh, the Venetians are, were ever watching that. Oh, I mean, was, this not. was after what the time period we're talking about, but still, I'm sure. trying to segue somehow, and it didn't work. <laughs> uh, Whatever. Yes, it did. <laughs> it worked fine. Carry on, sir. Carry on fine. my way. So, according to Thor, Valiant Thor, he came from a race of beings superior to us in nearly every way. Snobbish bastard. I'm like really? Uh, they were all vegetarians, more intelligent, better looking, and far less violent. He also claimed this race lived under the surface of Venus, not above ground. Ivan, why is that impossible? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Physics? (laughs) Valiant Thor said he and his fellow Venusians Venusians were sent here to protect us from ourselves. Oh, hey. Yeah, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you did to your little brother. <laughs> and their number one mission was to make sure nuclear war never occurred. Again, we're hearing these themes over and over and over. In okay, this yeah, yeah. Well, it's ironic that Venus seems to be the favorite home planet of these humanoids because according to CBSNews.com, possible signs of life were recently discovered on the second planet from the sun. And I have that article right here. Can we read it? Yeah, read it. And this is, I talked about this on the last episode, how, you know, people are kind of not impressed by anything anymore uh, because, you know, I feel like, yeah. I feel like 50 years ago, if this would have been on the news, it would have been huge. Yeah, no. It, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, the instant gratifac- gratif- gratification thing, the, the drive through. I mean, we're the drive through uh, kings, our, our society now. It's yep. like. Everyone's got to go through a drive-through for everything, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, we're we're very desensitized to everything. It seems like yeah, we are. It's just I think it's because you know we talk about we've talked about it before. It's like our campfire. We're getting too too away from our campfire. We're 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 going to other campfires way far away, and we're leaning in and warming up to theirs. It's like and rubbing our hands like, oh, hey, this is pretty cool. It's like, <laughs> hey, your fire's going out over there. It's like, oh, I'm gonna snap back over there. It's like, but uh, but. I just don't think our brains are, I don't think our brains are capable. So I think that's why like a natural tactic of our brains to survive is like to just this desensitizing factor. Right. To where it's like, well, you can't take all that in. So we're going to limit. I don't know. That's nothing about that scientific, but it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me as well, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Made perfect sense. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there is like, hey, (laughs) He's got a point. I haven't always had a way of explaining things so I can just understand them. That's right. That's right. So continue on. Yeah, I want, I want to hear this this thing that, that should have made uh, bigger news, right? Yes, yeah, CBS News. Or that w- wouldn't today, but it did then, right? Right, right. CBSnews.com. Traces of a rare molecule known as phosphine have been found in the hellish, heavily acidic atmosphere of Venus, astronomers announced Monday, providing a tantalizing clue about the possibility of life. Phosphine molecules found on Earth are primarily a result of human industry or the actions of microbes that thrive in oxygen-free environments. The research, and I, that's kind of funny because that lends a little bit towards my work. There's, uh, anyway, there's there's different microbes in mm-hmm. wastewater that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, facultative and and anyway, some that that operate in environments with oxygen, some without, and some can do it either way. That's kind of like us. We we expel, you know, we expel carbon dioxide taken oxygen but then there's other there's other creatures that do the exact opposite or not even using those uh using those gases at all yeah 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 yeah. so the researchers are not claiming life has been detected on the second planet from the sun but the observations suggest at least the possibility of microbial activity in the upper layers of venus atmosphere well away from the planet's inhospitable surface we have detected a rare gas called phosphine in the atmosphere of our neighbor planet Venus, said Jane Graves, a professor at Cardiff University in the United Kingdom and lead author of a report published in Nature Astronomy. Uh, she, she continues, and the reason for our excitement is that phosphine gas on Earth is made by microorganisms that live in oxygen-free environments. And so there is a chance that we have detected some kind of living organisms in the clouds of Venus. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things like it depends on like uh, what other news is going on. But then um, the famous one that I know of recently was like the 
the Spotlight story, and I just watched that again, the the Spotlight movie on uh, Netflix about the all the priests and stuff. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so they were they wanted to run. They had all their work done. They'd worked on it for years. Like they found out that they were moving all these priests from these different parishes, like, and basically settling out of court and keeping it. And all the records were being like sealed to where no one could know what happened. So they did this thing for years, and they were about ready to release the whole thing in the the uh, Boston Globe, and then nine uh, eleven happened. Oh wow! And so they were going to push it out, but they thought, no, we better not, you wow. know. And plus, they needed the manpower to cover all the. So then it ended up being like uh, I think maybe like six months to a year later. But there's a lot of that type type of thing. Like I bet if you're a celebrity, you hope that you you die a different week than a bigger celebrity than you <laughs> that <laughs> happened with john ritter and johnny cash there's something like uh, farrah fawcett and uh was it farrah fawcett <clears throat> and um um michael jackson was that it yeah there was, was that, that another, was another one? one yeah i think that was another one yeah so, uh of course it doesn't matter i mean we're we're so petty to be like hey they didn't get good press when they died like why do they care they're dead but uh but you know i just bring that up because it's like you know stories can't buried uh really important things can get buried um they're sometimes things are released on Friday night because that's a slow news time. And, and it doesn't, you know, that's where people, that's where a lot of hard hitting stories don't come out at that time. And then a lot of people aren't like, don't, aren't really reading the news. And, and, and if it's, if something big happens over the weekend, that story may not come out on Monday. That's how you keep something kind of hush hush. You you do the press release on a Friday night. Uh, That's a well-known tactic um, from politicians. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was reading about that not too long ago. It's it's kind of shady, but very that's shady. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. It's like, well, you could really see it whenever you want, I guess. So that's the day we pick. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, as far as this valiant Thor, back to that uh, Val, as the Venusian commander began to be known as, <laughs> soon confessed that he had tried to arrange a meeting with President then President Dwight Eisenhower and Vice President Richard Nixon. Uh, one source I found claims he actually met with them, while another said that uh, he was refused. <laughs> I don't know. What, I have a feeling they're both not true. <laughs> this second source stated Val did get to meet with the Secretary of Defense, though, and was briefly taken to the Pentagon, where he was studied and questioned before being released. Mm. The Valiant Thor character is a little confusing to me because some sources state that he was in the UFO slash contactee ether as far back as the early 50s. However, other sources claim he was never mentioned anywhere until about 1967 in Dr. Frank Strange's book, Stranger at the Pentagon. So Dr. Strange has claimed in his book that Valiant Thor had landed on Earth from Venus on March 16, 1957 to embark on a three-year mission to invite Earth to join the interstellar uh, community. By all appearances, that mission failed. And Dr. Strange's claims that Valiant Thor dematerialized out of existence on March 16th, 1960, exactly three years after he arrived on Earth. So it was a one-way trip. Yeah. For Val. Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of sad. Didn't couldn't get couldn't afford the the all around the the you know, what's that called? Where you go where you uh what the round trip? Round trip. He couldn't couldn't uh, afford that one. I wonder if he dematerialized because he failed. Yeah, maybe. Or or had we joined the interstellar community? Uh, if he would have got to stick around. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> We're inquiring minds, aren't we? <laughs> oh, so that, that was a little bit of a derailment from Howard Manger, but 
As we will see again and again, the stories of many of the contactees are intertwined, and some seem to borrow elements from each other and inspire later versions from fellow contactees, and we'll see that in the coming episodes. Yeah, for sure. So, by 1960, Howard and Connie had been on the contactee circuit for a while and were quite well known in the UFO community. Then, that same year, Howard did something unexpected, even for him. He appeared on a local television show alongside John Nebel from the Long John Nebel radio program and basically recanted his entire UFO contactee narrative. All of it. Uh, There are a few versions of what he said here, but in a nutshell, he said that uh, the alien beings he'd met with were human and that the whole thing had been a government CIA program designed to disseminate stories uh, and monitor the public's reaction. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I got nothing on that. (laughs) <laughs> however in the late 1980s <laughs> howard would recant his recantation oh a recant of a recant yes a ah. re-recant oh re-re i don't know i like it he even wrote more books including one called the high bridge incident and another one uh called threads of light to you about his visitations and rejoined the lecture circuit with his wife connie um about his 1960 recantation he said and i quote Years ago on a TV program, when I first voiced my opinion that the people I met and talked with from the craft might not be extraterrestrial, it was thought that I'd recanted. However, the aliens said they had just come from the planet we call Venus or Mars. It is my opinion that these space travelers may have bypassed or visited other planets but were not native to those planets any more than our astronauts are native to the moon. I don't, so. (laughs) I wonder what that, I wonder what is speaking torpid. I wonder what that. I mean, I don't know. You, what year was that again? In the fifties, right? Uh, late fifties. So yeah, I mean, you could probably figure if it was like maybe the, he got the door, and if you had a, you know, auditorium with like a hundred people, yeah, maybe you know three bucks or something like that. Yeah, which back then three dollars would buy. Yeah, um, I mean that'd be pretty good money. Yeah, I mean I just look at those old car ads, that are, or even even that show we watched, the Rust Valley thing. It's like this car and. 1965 was, you know, $3,500. Yeah, and loaded to the tits. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, a new Model T was like 400 bucks or something. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that is that, crazy. I don't know. But yeah, my dad would tell me stories back in the, uh, how old it would have been, he married mom in 1940, so this was, you know, throughout yeah. the 30s. Sure. When he was dating gals uh, over in <laughs> Tulsa. My dad, you know, like he played at the Canes Ballroom. A lot of people don't. Uh, anyone familiar with Tulsa knows the Canes Ballroom. It's been around forever, and, and back then it was a honky-tonk, you know, bluegrass type thing. But dad would say that, you know, it's like I could take a gal out. For 50 cents, I could take a gal out all night just for a crazy time. You yeah. know, just like we'd stop. You know, the Cokes were a nickel. A burger was whatever, a dime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we could buy a bottle of beer for 12 cents or whatever. It was just bananas. No, man. it it's, is crazy. It's, but But it's like. But, you know, it's easy, easy to be surprised by that. But then in the same, and I was just thinking like, well, it doesn't really matter, though, because it's not like you had as much money as we have now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's all, but it's, it's, it's just crazy. Like, you know, they're talking about doing, they've been talking about it for years. They're talking about just doing away with the penny because no one's like, well, I, I had almost all of it, but I was a penny short, so I wasn't <laughs> able to buy it because everyone's always been like, well, it's okay. So, I mean. You could almost, you could very easily just make everything at, you know, to fives, you know, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, 
is that really going to change? But I don't know. Then again, I'm thinking, you know, they do tax. They do like tax millages and stuff. And they're like, you know, a tenth of a penny or eighth of a penny or whatever. They would only, I guess they would have to change those to only be in increments of like even numbers where it would, you know what I mean? But I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know. How could you do away with the penny when your well, totals? I, mean, I think, I think, I think less and less people are using cash. So, I mean, maybe it would be something for if you're using debit cards and it would be another thing. But I don't know. I don't know which way it would swing, you know? I don't either. But, yeah, like nothing could ever cost like a dollar ninety-seven ever again. Yeah. There could be not. There, it'd have to be ninety-five or $2. Yeah. Let's keep the penny. Let's keep the penny. Well, they're just saying that it costs more to make a penny than what it's worth. Oh, okay. I get that. That's the problem. Okay. So, they're like losing money yeah. making them. So, I don't know. Make, make it cheaper. Make it out of something cheaper. Yeah. Make it out of ten. Yeah. I mean, is that cheap? Yeah, it's got to be cheaper. I don't know. I, I don't think. know either. I don't know. Let's make just like a really crappy coin. <laughs> it's like it's like the the it's like a the made out of the stuff when you peel a Vienna sausage can open. That's probably ten, right? <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> but I mean, it's like it your can... pennies smell like Vienna sausages. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm saying. We make them out of. <laughs> You send them in, you get some money, you send your little Vienna sausage lids, lids in, and you get some money for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's enough people that eat that stuff, right? <laughs> I don't need it. I love it, but I don't need it anymore. I just think about what's in it. Isn't there, uh, back in World War II era, there's a f- specific year, like is it 43, 43 steel penny? If you find the right yes. one, it's worth 140 something thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So all the copper was going to the war effort. Yeah, right? I guess so. So they made them out of steel. Yeah. Just for that year? Yeah. And they're, you know, I don't know how many they made, but for some reason, they're just really rare. Uh, right. I, I don't think they made less. Maybe they did, but it seems like I was looking at, I have that, uh, like a penny coin book and see, and it's, uh, and, and when you, you know, it has a little round cut out and you push your penny in there. Um, you can get one for each year. Of course, I'm not even close, but I was reading one time and I read that year and it didn't look like they made that much, that many less of them. So I don't know why they're worth so much. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Hmm. It's maybe it's just, maybe people just have them like collectors have them or whatever. Right. And they're not circulated and that's why they're worth a lot. I don't know. What's funny is you would think the copper 1943 penny would be worth more. Because if they made most of them out of steel, then the copper ones from... I don't know. Did they make any out of copper, though? I think they may have made oh. them all out of steel. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. I don't know. Could it have been that they're just... Uh, they're steel, so maybe they're just like... They like started corroding and fading away, and that's why they're worth, worth more? I don't know. We'd have to I don't know that up. we've ever had any other coin made of steel. I if mean, we only had some device where we could find things out <laughs> when we're wondering them. Oh, well. We could put a man on the moon, but we can't answer our penny question. What's what's this world coming? Man, if we had Elon Musk here, he could just Neuralink into Neuralink, it and tell yep. us. Yeah, we just know. Man, how boring would a podcast be? I know, right? Yeah, just he knows like, everything. Now I'm going to read you. Uh, we're going to do a Wikipedia podcast where I'm just going to tell you everything that's on Wikipedia <laughs> when you ask me because I just I have it right here. Yeah. So I don't know. Of course, that's not the Wikipedia is not as bad as people say, but it's not as good as people say. I so there are cited sources on there. So. If you said something from Wikipedia, you could always, you could always say, "Well, that is a cited source, and here's the source." And I could go there and say, you know, I can not really prove, but I could say, "Well, here's the source, and the source is pretty valid." Um, but there's things that it says require citation or whatever. Yeah, so we that's could... like stuff that's like, eh. Um, but it's a lot better than 
than what we had before is it's like you'd go to random websites and uh, you wouldn't know for sure right. if anything was true. So, I like yeah. to use Wikipedia as just to kind of see the overall gist of a story. Like a jumping off point. Yeah, and yeah. then from there, I'll 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 branch out and and you know usually you can find some old newspaper articles. Yeah, or, oh, you yeah. know from yeah, there you sure. can usually just yeah use that like you said a good jumping off. Point. Yeah, there's people that edit it and they take it very seriously and and you not just anyone can edit it. I mean you have to and then people are checking your edits. So when you edit something, other people check it, and so it's a very it's like, a good model. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah. like it's crowdsourced, mm-hmm. and people some people spend hours and hours. It's not even their main job. Like they get home and they spend the rest of their night editing Wikipedia. Yeah. So when something gets posted, they when something gets edited, they check it. There's certain uh, I think there's a certain tier of people that can do that. I really don't know how it works, other than I watched a couple of little news cl- stories about it one time, um, but. Um, it was very interesting. What I watch is really cool. Yeah. And some of the people that do it are really unique people, but it's, it's good. They're out there because I'm sure, um, you know, a lot, our podcast relies on, like you said, use it as a jumping off point And then that's linking you to other things. And, you know, at, at the bottom, I like the, for further reading. I like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Cause you can find something similar to what you're, what you're looking at. Yep. Yeah. So, there's a there's a game called Wiki Race. Have you heard of it? No. You'd like it. It's like it'll give you a topic. So it might say like Ghostbusters, and then it'll say relate Ghostbusters to the 1941s World Fair, um, and do it as in few clicks as you can. And people race on this thing. So like you click Ghostbusters and you find another link on there. All you can do is stay in Wikipedia, and so you might click like somewhere and maybe you find where it's like a new york and then oh, you scroll cool. down and it's like events and then you click and then so some people can do it in like two or three clicks and and really fast but it's like a, just a way like f- to get from this to that yeah and then you can go online and it'll just give you a random one it's a fun little time waster i might be pretty good at that one as much as i've been on yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> i do gotta say for people wondering about the accuracy i mean out of all this, we're on episode 97 now. So, I mean, I've done a little bit of research mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, there there's, I can count maybe on two hands the, the times that I just found something that, you know, the Wikipedia page was just inaccurate about. And it's yeah. usually, a, it's usually about stuff. Like it might say 3 AM on Wikipedia and then mm-hmm. on, on, on the actual news site, it'll say like three forty five or so, you know, it's never, it's something gigantic, Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, man, it's, it's pretty good yeah yeah it's just it's just uh i mean w- people like to complain about it. it's the same way they like to complain about mcdonald's like that's so like you hear the people i, I don't really like mcdonald's I'm, but i'm not gonna be like mcdonald's is nasty <laughs> it's like they get this big like it's like yeah it's so nasty no one ever eats there <laughs> that place last time i was there i saw a tumbleweed rolling across the 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 main dining area it's right like, yeah it's like it's okay it's not the best and it's not great for you but i don't know some of these people are just like it's the nastiest place they get all ever. high and mighty about it yeah uh, uh but you know uh, it's not it's not my favorite. But. Jim Gaffigan has a really good bit about McDonald's. Really? Yeah, it's just, yeah. I won't go into it, but it's just, look it up if anyone's listening. Isn't there. it John Reap that talks about it too? No, 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 that's not him. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. You'd know him, but uh, um, Cap. It's it's uh, uh, John Caparello. In the oh, Cap. yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen him in a long time. That guy's hilarious. He I don't know. I just saw that one special he had. 
Yeah, that I like that guy. I, I did I, too. I think I saw him on Conan or something. But he has a line where he's like, you know, I pull into McDonald's. I'm saying, screw my 70s. You know? And yeah. He's like, it's like people are like, did you know that's not real cheese? It's like, well, it's playing the effing part. <laughs> It's like, yeah. shut up. Yeah, that guy's really funny. Yeah. His voice yeah. Is, is unique. Yeah, I can't do his voice. It's, no, yeah. I can't either. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, um, comedians. Um, yeah, great comedian. But yeah, I just wonder what happened to the guy. I don't know. Maybe don't he's know. writing some sitcom or something. Yeah, so, like, some of them drop out like that and then pop right back in. God knows it's not hard to get a special these days. Sure. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah. So um, Howard Menger, he again caused a stir in 1995 when he admitted that the photographs of the supposed Venusians in their spacecraft that he had back in the 50s and 60s, they were photographs of paintings. He had painted so his representation. He painted it and photo it and it took a photo of it like it was. Yes. And it was supposed to be like a like a craft or something. Yes. Oh, OK. He painted That's a unique idea. Well, but he was presenting them as authentic photographs. No, no, but what I'm saying, I I haven't heard of something like that except for like maybe the background of Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a unique way to do it. Yeah. Well, because what I haven't said yet was he was a sign painter by trade for most of his life. Oh. So he used these skills to imper- interpret what he had witnessed on the <laughs> canvas. And what's funny is he actually seemed offended when people said that his photographs lost all credit because they were just photographs of painting. Oh, yeah. He, he got pissed off by that. I don't know. But he, he was he claiming there were real photos that he took, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. He stunned people even further when he said he never claimed the photos were real in the first place uh, and that everyone had just gotten their information mixed up. This guy's a flip-flopper, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Howard also changed much of his story in his later books, stating that the visitors weren't necessarily from Venus, but may have just stopped by there on their way to Earth from some other location, like we, that, like I read earlier. Whatever the the details... Howard did stick to his story until he passed away on February 25th, 2009 at the VNA Hospice House in Vero Beach, Florida, not California, at the age of 87. So that was the end of the old story for old uh, Howard Menger. Old Howard Menger. Number two on our list of golden era contactees. Yeah. You know, you know what's what's neat about these? It's it's like um, like the first guy. It's it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm full of it, but I'm gonna double down. Like you got <laughs> you gotta you gotta appreciate. Well, maybe you don't have to appreciate, but but some guys like you know, well, you almost got me, but I'm just gonna throw more at you. Yeah, like uh, I, I'm unsinkable in that way, right? And yeah, and they almost get angry where they're just like, like you said, they just dig in their heels. Yeah, and then just like, yeah, I'm gonna go down with this ship, I'm gonna die on this mountain. Yeah. Or die on this I'm hill. I'm trying That's to think. Proper. Can you think of someone you know in real life, like in your personal life, kind of like that? Um, I, I, I know there's kids like that that I went to high school with and stuff. Yeah. That they had the deer story and you're like, no. Like they they tell a story about some deer they killed, like some record. And then like you come, you tell your dad and your dad's like, well, that's probably not true. And then you go back and then it's like, yeah, it is because this. And then they add something else, you know. Uh, I don't know. This is a vague story. And okay. I, this is one of those where I don't remember if this, if someone just told me this story or if I was there when this happened, where did this come from? <laughs> but I remember that it was a guy. Oh, I think it may have been a guy I worked with like 20 okay. years ago. Okay. But, uh, he talked about this massive deer. Okay. This, I wish I could remember where I heard this anyway. 
like just the biggest like world record breaking huge mammoth freak deer mm-hmm. and he snuck up on this deer in the woods when it was sleeping and he said he didn't want to kill it because he didn't have the heart yeah but it just had this huge set of antlers that were just gigantic yeah like so many points and he cut a little notch in the deer's <laughs> antler and then stowed away and then he said i was out there hunting probably five or ten years later and i saw a big damn deer and I thought there can't be another deer that big, and sure enough, there was that little notch. It was him and his antlers. It was my friend. So, can you tell me what's wrong with that story? A lot, a lot. Deers shed their antlers. Oh yeah, every year. Oh yeah, and grow them back. Yeah, you know. So that's, that's the first. <laughs> you know what's funny? I had a friend that told a story about the guy that was posing with the deer that he killed, and that had. It had he put his rifle in the the rack of the deer. Yeah, and then like it wasn't dead. He thought it was dead, and then it like ran off. And then he's like, "Yeah, legend says that there's the they ever they see them every once in a while. The deer with the thirty out six. Seriously, seriously, this guy's saying that, and that's in that I do remember one of us. It wasn't me, but one of us was like, "Hey, don't they?" It's like, well, not always they don't. Not it's, this one. Yeah, this not one this doesn't. one didn't. He knew he had a gun up there, and it was a perfect gun rack. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's like. I don't even uh, have a gun, let alone many guns, which would necessitate an entire rack. What's that from? <laughs> if you're not careful, uh, you're going to lose me. I already uh, did lose you two months ago. Or however many months ago. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember that. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. That's right. <laughs> a gun. I don't even have a gun, let alone many guns. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, uh, was that the was that the uh the psycho girl? The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lara Flynn, Flara Lynn yeah. Boyle, or whatever yeah. the hell her name is. Yeah. yeah. Laura Flynn Boyle. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Hi Wayne, where she yeah. has like she flips over the car on her bike. And, and I yeah. always thought I was like, man, she's so hot. Oh yeah, I was like, Wayne, come on, bro. Even the the kind of the same kind of a rip off of it was Sandler's girl. And the girl that liked him and the wedding singer. Oh, yeah. His ex. Yeah. Yeah, she's really, but she, you know, both of them were psycho. Now take off my Van Halen shirt before they break up or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's still one of my favorite ones. I I still, I mean, um, wedding singer, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. So. Why don't you call it, I got punched in the nose for sticking other people's business. (laughs) Sounds like a country song. Anyway, love that movie, man. You just quote movies all night. I know. people, People listening are like kill me now just the movie quote podcast so without doing the the voice what what's coming up next joe my favorite of the golden era contact right. an old feller from missouri named buck nelson oh how that sounds familiar but it's probably just because i've lived around here my whole life yeah that's a very local name that's a very you yeah know, like buck old nelson buck nelson old buck nelson but this guy's story i'm not even going to drop a teaser oh it's if you think if you think we've talked crazy so far about, you know, beautiful Venetians with big boobs and blonde hair and stuff, just wait. Oh. They got nothing on Buck Nelson. Oh, I can't wait for Buck Nelson. All right. He sounds like a character already. He's a real character. Yeah. He's a real character. More movie quotes. What was that one from? Freddie got fingered. Oh. Daddy, would you like Daddy, some would you sausage? like some sausages? <laughs> Daddy, would you Anyway. Oh, right. I, that's another movie I thought was fantastic that you know, oh, one time I was pl- I was watching that, and my mom and dad walked in, and they were like, "What are you watching?" It's like, "Oh, this movie." I didn't call. It. And they're like, "What's going on?" It's like, "I don't know." I think it was during that scene. Oh God, really? I'm, another thing is like, I'm the backwards man. I'm the backwards, backwards man. Backwards, I can walk backwards fast as you can. 
We used to quote that. Me, I'm like, where's your Speaking LeBaron? of this, uh, and you know, because you listen to the episode, uh, Tom Green was like the grand, like the original, you know, the the OG of the podcast. He, yes, I didn't know that till I watched that episode. And Norm McDonald's on there all the time, and it was just a crazy, you know. And they said that he, um, they said they like knocked holes in a ceiling for Mike to hang mics and run cords and and bu- and basically built. Yeah. Uh, what? A studio. And, in his living room. and not even yeah. that, but like he didn't even have the processing power to distribute it. Yeah. Remember he built like, what did he call it? He built a, uh, oh shoot. Like a server, right? Yes. Yeah. He built like, like took up a room. Yeah. He's a techie guy that, that's something that you don't really know about him. So um, before the, most people don't really know about him before this format ever even existed. Cause wasn't this back in the early two thousand one? Very yeah, they make 2000s? these things and they were having trouble getting them out. They didn't really know what to do with them. Yes, yeah. So yeah, Tom Green is the godfather of the podcast. I wonder, it's crazy. I'm sure on some internet, if you go to a thing called Internet Archive, I bet you can find a bunch of those. It'd be cool to go in and watch a bunch of those. He may have a bunch of. He may have saved them all too, man. Yeah, yeah. I bet someone has. I mean, that's like early. I don't know. It's just really cool that that. Uh, and I don't think the episodes were about anything. I think somebody just came in and they just kind of randomly talked. Tom Green. Yeah. yeah. That's it, man. So that's it was awesome. Very crazy, yeah. man. He Thank was you the... for what you've done. You yes, gave us sir. a good hobby. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. I know. It's never really that fun when someone says that. I didn't mean it for it. Fun, fun. <laughs> this is so fun. You went soccer mom on. Is that yeah. Are we having so much fun? <laughs> yeah. At the birthday party? If people keep talking about how much fun they're having, they're not. Isn't yeah. this fun, you guys? Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of like when you're listening to a country song and the and the the lead singer is like, "I'm country." Yeah, it's like, "No, you're not." By the you, way, you I'm country. You did. You said it, so it disappeared. Yeah, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's like what what's something else like when you try to grab it, it's gone. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a riddle there or something. Um, I'm blanking. I try to. There's there's a riddle. Uh, it's like um, when you look at it, it's gone or something like that. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Sure. There is there is a riddle like that. <laughs> is there really? There is. Yeah. Look it up right now. Should we? We should. Stick with us. Um, hey, while you're looking it up, people, uh, you know, I, I don't even think we've mentioned it on any of the podcast episodes, but if uh, for those of you paying attention, uh, you may have noticed that we've been kind of dropping little Easter eggs in between each not every episode, but in between several of them of uh, songs. And, uh, you know, a couple of them uh, earlier were covers. Uh, someone der- someone in- left a comment, I think on iTunes or somewhere, uh, uh, wanting me to cover a uh, Bob Seger song. So I did. Uh, but the last few have been originals of mine because why not? Right. I mean, I know some of these have been sitting on a computer uh, for years and, you know, might as well let someone hear them, whatever. Uh, but so. The other night I came out here and I had a little bit of free time. So I get into my recorder and just kind of start filing through old songs. And one of them called is called empty inside. And I didn't recognize like, what the hell's that? So I, I pull it up. And uh, before the podcast, Ivan and I would do this thing where we would go. One of us would go to the other's house every week. And we would just like our thing was just like, OK, we're going to write a song a week. You know, we're going to we're going to get together, brainstorm. We're going to write a song. Uh, and so this is one of those that we did. I don't know. How long ago do you think this was? Cause neither of us remember shit about it. I think it's before my son was born. So I think it's like three or four years ago. Okay. I, 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 I agree. It's, it's been a while. It's been at least that long. So anyway, um, and I just found it. It's dude, it's very surreal 
to hear a song that you don't even recognize and then you start to hear, hear yourself sing it. <laughs> you know, and then like I was then it's like, "Whoa, I do remember that." Yeah, it took me a minute, but I was like, "What is this?" Anyway, long no, story me, short, for me too, it was like one of those things like, "No, I don't recognize no." Oh, yeah, I do now. Yeah. It's, and it was like you know, six, six to 10 seconds in or something. So yeah, yeah, that's uh no, that's really cool. Uh, we we've recorded and written so much that we just forget. Yeah. Like really even the process. I mean, I kind of, you know, you can tell when you listen to us like, Hey, that's us doing that. And you're doing that. I'm doing this, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah. It's just kind of crazy. And other than it was within our first five episodes, I think that we wrote a song on the podcast together. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Other than that one, this will be the second, uh, song and we're going to post it what a couple days after yeah we post yeah it. yeah uh that's that's a that's a, a joey ivan collaboration on yeah. the, i mean music lyrics everything so anyway i love the song i yeah. totally forgot about yeah, it and too. listening back to it i'm like that's oh, actually good so excited to drop that one in listen to it and tell us what you think it means cause, yeah because i know what it means i remember what it means now so um, i do too but mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to uh, uh cheapen it by explaining it really no just get your own meaning from it yeah. uh what what disappears as soon as you say its name Okay. Oh, I see the answer. Oh, that's very That's clever. what I was thinking. Okay. It's silence. Yeah. Yeah. Silence In disappears. Sound yeah. Yeah. It also reminds me of that Twilight Zone where the guy had to be quiet for an entire year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he did the bet? Yeah. And didn't it turn out that he'd like uh, cut out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah no spoilers. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. I didn't. Yeah. Did I get much out? No. 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 Okay. You didn't. You. You almost did. I you thought did. you were going into a chant or something. <laughs> Singing Enya. Yeah. Or what was that? Return to innocence. Yeah. Uh, who was that? I forgot who that was. It wasn't Enya. It was a guy. Yeah. They return to innocence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to look that one up. No. Forget it. No All one right. cares. We'll see you guys next time. We are out. Hey, remember. Be nice to each other and be a quality person. That's right. Do that. Bye.